Blog Talk Radio. Well, hello, everybody. It's time for Office Hours again. It's Scott Fox here from the Masterminds world of startups, here to help you in your startup dream come true. Well, I don't know. This is not a get-rich-quick show, but it is. Um, it's a broadcast about making realistic goals come true faster to help you put your dent in the universe, as Steve Jobs famously put it. I'm Scott Fox. I'm a serial Internet entrepreneur, angel investor, um, author of several books about startups, and a guy who's here trying to help you make a difference. I'd like to spend the next uh, few minutes answering questions from folks who have written in from around the world trying to uh, move their startup ideas forward faster, learn how to raise money, especially. That's the perennial topic, recurring topic. And we're going to talk about uh, the several questions that folks have sent in to try to um, make the world a better place through entrepreneurship. That's what I do. So, like, um, my goal is to help more of you figure out your path. The world of venture capital and angel investment and private equity has traditionally been limited uh, to those who kind of knew somebody or who had gone through just exactly the right series of checkpoints in their life to get to the place where they wanted to be, where, where, the, where the industry wanted them to be before they could get funded or even before they could get good advice oftentimes. So I've come up from um, maybe not the wrong side of the tracks, but certainly I was not an insider as a boy. I grew up in inner city Detroit. Um, I put myself through college. I put myself through graduate school at Stanford. I learned about the internet early on and it's been pretty good to me. And I've spent many years now trying to help other people figure out how to get their piece of the internet revolution as well, because there's a lot of wealth being created and a lot of um, creativity and opportunity for both personal development and uh, improving uh, corporate efficiencies and the world in general that are really um, walled off if you're not from that world already. So today we're going to talk about questions from you guys, and I'll be here with an open microphone for a little while uh, until we run out of questions, basically. <laughs> and I do this once a month, by the way. This is a service of the Startup Council, which is a uh, global community service group dedicated to accelerating Internet entrepreneurs. And um, we're going to take questions from folks all over because I want to help you. So if you're live uh, on uh, uh, watching this on YouTube or Facebook or LinkedIn or listening to the podcast through Blog Talk Radio, welcome. I hope you help us out by liking and sharing along the way or subscribing or following or all those other social media things. Um, there's a lot to be done uh, in social media that could help our mission, if you wouldn't mind. Uh, you can join our email list. I just put up the, uh, the link there on the screen, startupeventnews.com. Get on the mailing list for more. And, of course, you can invite your friends to join us uh, while we're getting going here. So today, we're going to talk about uh, no sales pitches. Uh, no sales pitches. This is honestly just trying to help, and I hope that it does help you because this is um, really trying to uh, get everybody going on the same page in the same direction. So if you're on the chat in, uh, in uh, YouTube or um, uh, say YouTube, Facebook, LinkedIn, there's live chat. And if you want to head over there, you can uh, toss in a question. That would be great. And your chats will show up live on the screen, and we can dialogue that way. Or if you have uh, an interest in coming on camera and you have a good question that is a, uh, not a sales pitch, again, uh, but a question about your business that I can help you with, I just put the link there on the screen. Um, it's uh, a bit bit.ly, you know, a bit.ly link, bit.ly, and then slash masterminds on camera link. 
a very encrypted link there, Masterminds on Camera link at Bitly. So if you want to join me on camera, you can do that. Uh, looks like uh, Adam just showed up. Uh, Adam, if you want to turn on your camera, um, let me see what your question was about. Oh, right. Okay, that's not a bad way to start, Adam. We can talk about that. Adam has a question about uh, Small Business Association loans and um, and uh, talking about bank financing. So that's we can get to that, Adam, if you want to join us live. Turn on your camera. And then we've got questions here from, uh, well, from all over the world, from, uh, from Orange County, from Los Angeles, from Maryland, from uh, Brisbane, Australia, down under, uh, and uh, several other topics. So we'll get to those one at a time as we work our way through this hour. Okay, so let's get going here. Uh, Adam, are you with me? Do you want to turn on your camera? It looks like, oh, you faded out there. Okay, so if anybody does want to join on camera, go ahead and hit that link that's showing. And um, in the meantime, I'm just going to keep talking because that's what we're doing here. So, okay, so let's talk about, Adam, if you want to come back on camera, we'll get to your uh, question in a minute here. Let's see here. Um, wanted to... There we go. Okay. So this one was from Rocky. And Rocky wrote in from, as I mentioned, Brisbane, Australia. And Rocky wanted to talk about evaluating a startup when it has little income. Um, and that's really a question of valuation. So valuation is uh, a topic near and dear or, or, or desperately afraid of <laughs> for most entrepreneurs. Um, the the difference, the difficulty with valuation for early stage startups is they don't have much revenue. And businesses are usually valued based on how much money they make. So if you are not making money, what is your business worth? This is a common problem, and uh, that's what Rocky's question is about. So let's unpack that a little bit. The question of valuation is really about um, – it's really a measure of the investability of your business, which is based, of course, on the potential return to the investors. So – most entrepreneurs understandably start from the bottom and work their way up, which is my business is about X, Y, and Z, um, and it makes this kind of money, and therefore it should be worth this. And that is totally valid, but it's sort of the opposite perspective that many investors like myself have, which is, well, what is this business's potential? Like what could it be worth someday, assuming everything goes right? And that's a big assumption. But if this business really goes well, then um, what are we going to do uh, in terms of valuing it today? Because let's say it's worth a billion dollars in 10 years. Well, you do discounted cash flows, and there's various things, fancy things you can do on spreadsheets, especially if you went to business school, um, that would then you can discount those cash flows back to see what they might be worth today. Uh, and that's the, um, that's the challenge that faces entrepreneurs is how to meld their perspective on the business with the way that investors look, like, look at it. Um, and, okay, it looks like we've got several of you on the chat room. I'll get to those in a second. Uh, welcome to uh, Rizab and Chitan and Adam and Chitan again. Um, let me do this valuation question, and we'll get to you guys in a minute. But if you are, like I said, it looks like uh, Rashab and Chitan are on. looks like you guys are all on YouTube. Okay, so you're watching over at YouTube.com slash Scott Fox, which is the, my old YouTube channel. Um, and there's a lot of subscribers there. If you are there, uh, please subscribe and uh, like it and all that stuff. That helps me uh, you know, keep this going to help more people. Okay, so back to Rocky's valuation question. So the valuation issue is about revenues usually, but also working backwards from the other point of view, like I said. It's kind of like a telescope, right? You look at it one way, it works, and then you turn it around. It's the same stuff, but from a different point of view. So how do you value a startup with no revenue? 
Well, one way to do it is to look at the potential market that you're addressing and then discount that back, like I said. So if you think you can put together a spreadsheet that credibly grows your revenues, incredibly is the key word here, right? Not just fantasy, right? But a credible stab at making a large amount of money. Let's call it a billion dollars because that seems to be the, the – everybody thinks they're going to be a unicorn these days. Um, then you need to work backwards. How are you going to achieve that, right? And at the same time, you're going to start from the bottom as an entrepreneur working upwards, right? Because you started at zero, and then you're working upwards to having revenue over time. So how much revenue do you think you can have in the first year? How much revenue do you think that will grow to in the second year? How much in the third year? And, of course, I'm not just talking about revenues. Profits are important here also, but um, it's really the, the top-line revenue growth that um, – Startups usually trade uh, for exit, meaning when they sell for acquisition or get bought, uh, based on some multiple of revenue. Um, because that, I guess, maybe that's more of a, a generally uh, accepted measure of, of growth. Because expenses are obviously a different and very important part of the business, but they're sort of uh, those are more um, those are more under the control of the company, and the revenue is a really demonstrates what investors are looking for, which is how interested are customers in actually paying for this, right? Because if no revenue is coming in, there's no growth in the revenue, then it doesn't matter how good your uh, expense structure is, like how, how well you have your expenses under control. If nobody's buying the thing, then it's not going to go anywhere anyway, right? So that's the issue. Um, okay, so the bottom line is, uh, with all that as context, and again, this is not legal or professional advice. I'm just here a guy, you know, I'm just a guy talking on the Internet, right? So don't take this too seriously. But um, the, the basic truth is that most startups are valued between, say, a million and $4 million when they get started. Because you've got to start somewhere, right? You're valued at more than zero because you're doing something. You've got an idea. You've got some friends working on it. You maybe you have a, a minimum viable product or a customer. You know, at least some prototypes is more than zero, but it's less than four or five million because anybody that puts money in, well, it's so early and so risky. They want a big chunk of the business. And in most cases, I've been involved in I don't know a dozen. Certainly, I don't think it's hundreds yet, but lots of angel deals, lots, over a long period of time, uh, including my own as a founder. And they start off always in that range, like one to four million dollars, okay? So honestly, the truth is you just kind of pick a number. I know that there are, uh, there's a lot of advice to the contrary, and there are a lot of people, especially accountants and MBAs, who get paid a lot of money to develop fancy models to calculate this stuff, and you do need to do that. But Rocky's question is about really at the beginning, like the pre-seed stage. Honestly, pick a number, $2 million. Why? Because of what I just said. We're doing something. We don't know what it's worth. Now, that will move depending a lot on how much money the people want to give you, right? So if they're going to give you $2 million and your company you think is valued at $2 million, well, you've just sold the whole company. So that's probably not what you want to do, right? Uh, God bless if you can get $2 million for pre-seed these days. But anyway, um, you can't give away the whole company, right? Because investors want to see that there's enough stock for you left that you will still have incentive to get up in the morning and kick some ass, right? You're going to go out and build this company. So if somebody's going to give you, let's be a little more realistic, let's say uh, $500,000 or even $100,000. Okay, let's say it's a $100,000 investment. Um, well, then if it's a million-dollar company and you give them 10%-ish, okay, that sounds about right, right? Because that leaves you 90%. It gives them a good chunk, and hopefully they will continue to participate in future rounds. But you're going to have to raise more money probably, right? So 10%, probably about right. If they're going to give you 250000 
Well, then maybe you want to value the company at $2.5 million. Why? Because it's 10 times 250000 right? This is not rocket science at this early stage. So these are really kind of made-up numbers, um, and uh, you will need to develop a model that shows how this stuff grows, but that's honestly the truth. The pre-seed level is generally done at these kind of made-up numbers that are small enough that people can get their heads around them and say, okay, I'm going to give you some money. you got a little something going on but not a lot, but we got to give you credit for something. Okay, how about 10% for 50 grand? That makes the company worth 500 grand or add a zero to that. You know, same idea. You're getting the idea, hopefully. So if that's useful, uh, and I hope it is, <laughs> that's how I would think about valuing a, start- <coughs> excuse me, valuing a startup when it has little income at the beginning. Uh, and it's, again, not very precise. This is not legal and financial advice. There are lots of caveats to this and fancier ways to do it. But um, that's the way that I would uh, address it. Okay, so there we go. All right, so let's look at our friends in the chat room. Um, let's see. By the way, let me do a, uh, a small commercial. If you're interested in this kind of advice, once a month we also do startup uh, masterminds workshops. And the masterminds workshops are a group of us that all meet by Zoom once a month. Uh, and we talk about questions like this, and there's a lot of networking and guest speakers and stuff like that. They're a lot of fun. So if you haven't been to one of those yet, actually, that's the poster here on the wall uh, behind me, Masterminds Workshops, uh, mastermindsworkshops.com. And these are, uh, and you can get a free ticket if you send in a question, right? Nobody's making any money here, believe me. Um, but if you'd like to participate and we can be helpful to you, check out mastermindsworkshops.com. Okay, now we're going to get to some of the chat questions. Um, Okay, Adam, I see you're back lurking in the chat room. Uh, do you want to turn on your camera and we can uh, bring you in? Uh, but these are, that's, that's how this works. So turn on your camera if you want to join us. Okay, so the chat, let's see here. Let's, got a bunch of these. Um, okay. Rashab, okay, Rashab has a similar question. Let me, sorry, let me browse just a second. So Rashab is asking about investments versus bank loans. Chetan's asking about networking and finding angel investors. Uh, Adam's asking about, uh, a different Adam's asking about breaking the ice with VC firms. Yes, okay. Um, marketing, okay, yes. And, okay, social media market. Okay, good, good questions. Uh, gentlemen, I think these are all gentlemen. I don't know where the ladies are today, but uh, please invite your friends who are women uh, and uh, minorities of all sorts. A lot of the reason I do this is trying to diversify the pool of entrepreneurs. So if that is you, welcome. And if you have friends who that sounds like, please invite them as well, as well as to the Masterminds Workshop. Okay, so Rashad, let's go. Uh, okay, Adam, I see you there. Let's, uh, sorry, let me just answer. Well, let's bring you on. You're on. You've got your camera on there. Um, Hold on. Let's bring it. It's always more fun when it's not just me talking to myself. Okay. So here comes my new friend, Adam. Let's see here. There he is. All right. Can you hear me, Adam? Excellent. Okay. Nice to meet you. Um, yes. All right. So why don't you talk, do you want to talk about your question a little bit and we'll, let's discuss it. Yeah. So um, me and my, me and my buddy, we have a flower shop startup. And um, we've been going for about a year and a half now. And so we're kind of looking into SBA loans, and we're, we're trying to build the company up. Uh, right now we're actually looking at uh, retail spots, and we're trying to figure out how do we get the banks interested in us to give us SBA loans. Like, uh, how, what, what kind of growth do we have to show for them to take us seriously, basically? Yeah. Okay, great. 
good, good question. And congratulations. It's, it's great to hear about people starting new businesses, especially that we are still here, all of us, after that crazy pandemic, right? This past year has been such, such, uh, okay. So um, I have to, let me say up front, my expertise is in tech companies, not in flower shops. Um, so that's, yeah. I'm not sure I can give you the specifics, um, but loan officers, in my understanding, are really about um, growth and credibility, right? So um, if you guys have, can demonstrate, have you, do you have any revenue yet? Yeah, so over the, uh, for our first year, we did uh, just over 100000 Okay, great. And then for uh, the past six months, we've done about, I want to say, just a little, a little over seventy-five. A little over 75. Okay, well, good job. As far as revenue, yeah. Yeah, and even during a pandemic. So that's got to speak loudly to somebody. If anybody's paying attention, you're doing that during a pandemic. Nicely done. Um, okay, so, well, that sounds to me like the right idea because what they're going to look at, of course, is the business coming in, the profit margins. Are you actually profitable? Are you making any money out of that? Uh, we're about at a 3% uh, profit margin right now. 3 yeah. Okay. Three. three. Okay. All right. So that's pretty tight. So you're you're on the edge there. That's why you need the loan then to yeah. to uh, to expand. Then I would guess. Um, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So um, all right. Well. So the idea then I think is to have you um, put together the paperwork. You've probably done that already. It sounds like you've got your head on your shoulders to even be asking the right questions. Right. A lot of bank loans are about credibility. Um, the SBA programs are definitely designed for people like uh, you and your business. Um, so the combination of uh, the revenue, uh, the income that you have demonstrated, the profit margin, I'm guessing they're going to want to see a little uh, increase in that if you can raise your margins because you don't have much wiggle room. You know, if you took a, a one, you know, one bad month, and I'm guessing you're, you're unprofitable again, it sounds like. Um, uh, and then, and then the, uh, the, I don't know, I actually, like I said, SBAs are not my expertise, but uh, your, your, and your partner personal credit score, are you guys, do you look reliable from an institutional point of view? Yeah, my partner just, uh, he's just around the 800, and I'm just under that as well. Well, good job. All right. Well, you, you sound like real guys. That's awesome. <laughs> um, I don't have much more for you than that, unfortunately, because I usually talk about venture capital and angel investors, um, and they're not going to be interested in a business like this because they're more looking for software these days. Um, okay. So your your video keeps cutting out there. Sorry, um, but, it's, uh, but um, the I would encourage you to go apply because a lot the other piece that people miss um, they think that loans or any financial transaction is really about a one hit, right? And it's really about relationships, uh, and also that SBA loans are administered by many different banks, so you don't just have one shot, right? So in in this case, I would think and it's for everybody, obviously, because uh, there was a uh, question in the chat room as well about loans. Um, Loans are based on credibility, like I said. Um, so if you have relationships with multiple banks and um, they see you more than once, that's going to be good, right? So um, yeah. they, they get inundated with questions, of course, like, like anybody who invests does. Um, but if you can reach out to them sooner, um, and uh, this is one of the phrases that one of my mentors taught me that I, I hope this makes sense because I, I like it. Uh, investors, and in this case I would put banks as well, they invest in lines, not dots. So the idea being if you have one meeting, they only have one dot, right? But if you have three or four meetings, they start to see a trend, right? And that's what they're looking for is a trend. So I've met this guy four times now. Every time he's been on time, professional, the business seems solid, 
he's a nice guy that I don't mind doing all the paperwork for. Like all those soft things add up in addition to the numbers. And I think that would really help. And if you do that at multiple banks, rather than putting all your eggs in one basket, I think that would probably help as well. So I wish I, did that help. I, I hope so. <laughs> yeah, yes, it did. Um, at, would you suggest us going, trying to do uh, angel investors as well as loans, or do you think that because our profit margins are, you know, kind of tight right now, you know, just try to stick to the loans and not really the angel investors? Yeah, it, dep- it depends on the angel investor. It's a good question. Most angel investors, when I talk about angel investors, I, I'm ca- talking about a certain type of angel investor, which is the, in the yeah. tech world, right? So those angel investors, they don't tend to invest in physical businesses um, that are based on real estate and bricks and mortar and, you know, the, the businesses that all of us grew up with that actually improve our lives. Um, angel investors like me tend to work on software businesses because they take off so crazy, you know, and turn into Facebook. Um, but there's another class of angel investors, which is the traditional angel investor, which is like your uncle, right? Or, you know, the, the guy you knew in high school who did really well and now has some extra money, right? Or that woman you know who's a dentist and has some cash flow, right? And those people um, often, um, often like businesses like yours, especially if you can get to a place where you have a cash flow going, right? A 3% profit margin, I don't think you're there yet, but if you had some more margin so that you could promise somebody like that some income stream or dividends, you know, say you put some money in with us and we'll make you a, a small partner and we can pay back your loan and give you a piece of the business x percent or x dollars a month you know indefinitely either for a a period of time or forever you know that's it's a deal and if people have money um and they're looking to put it to work uh an opportunity like yours might be appropriate these days interest rates are so low at the banks that it isn't worth much keeping money in the bank so people that's why the stock market keeps going up and stuff people are looking for places where they can make more than zero and if you can offer an opportunity for more than zero then it's really a question about networking uh, as much as the business itself so cool so that was adam uh, if you want to join me on camera the url is there on the screen uh, i'd love to have you it's more fun to talk to a person of course than just hear, hear me lecture um, but let's talk here about um Titan had a similar question I thought, let me scroll up here. I'm doing several things at once. Um, let's see. Uh, okay, so, yeah, okay, the Chetan had that question, but we'll hit Rishab's question along the way. So Rishab asked, um, for a young entrepreneur starting out his first business, what is better, investment or a bank loan? So since we've already laid the foundation for that, let me hit that real quick, Rishab, um, and then Chetan will talk about uh, networking and finding angel investors. So bank loans versus investment, both are totally valid tools. The media covers the angel investment and venture capital all the time, right? Because it's the sexy new thing. You know, uh, I had an idea. I met this guy at a coffee shop. He gave me a million dollars. And six months later, I was public and I'm a unicorn company and I'm a billionaire, right? <laughs> but that is really, really rare. It's the same way that the media covers lottery ticket winners, right? Because that's essentially what that is. It's, it's, it's like lightning struck. The real world runs on bank loans, and it always has. Um, this angel investing concept is really fairly new. So especially if you have a traditional business, and Rashab, I don't know what your business is, but if you have a physical business, the, really the best place, and Adam, if you're still listening, this is a great uh, tip for you too, is to find people who have had success in your business. So in Adam's example, he was running a flower shop, 
Well, there's probably other people who get the flower shop business who made some money there and would be willing to back a young entrepreneur who has the energy and the new ideas um, to expand that kind of business, right? And that applies in any industry. If you can find people who've already done well there and they're like, uh, you know, my age or older, uh, they'd probably be interested in offering their expertise and maybe some money as well. So the bank loan thing is the way businesses has traditionally run. And the problem with bank loans, though, Rashab, is that they require income and revenue and uh, all the things that demonstrate that you'll be able to repay the loan. Angel and VC investors a little more kind of bet on the idea and hope that you're going to do well and that their ownership of the company is how they'll get paid, right? So they own a piece of your company. And then later when the company gets bought or goes public or something does really well, hopefully, then they get paid back what they put in multiplied many times over, like 10 times or 50 or 100 times more of than the money they put in. But it's, it's really a gamble that that will work. Whereas the bank, a bank loan is really saying, okay, you make $100,000 a month, uh, and your profit margin is whatever, 10%. We, therefore, we think that you can afford this much. We'll give you this much money because we think you can pay it back this much each month over time plus interest, and over time we'll get our money back. And if we don't, we're going to take your business, right? So that's a different model. It's much more like buying a house where you get a mortgage. You take the loan, you buy the house, you live there, you pay it back over time. But um, – and they have the right to take the house back if you don't, if you don't uh, make the payments. So it's a very different model, and both have uh, great applicability, but it really depends on the kind of business you have and also, frankly, about your connections and your network ability um, to find the right people to invest. So that's a good segue to Titan's question, which is about networking. Um, let's see. Let me – got to change my Chiron here. I just want to remind you again, this is not qualified legal or financial advice. Please – Please do, uh, please do talk to your own professional advisors uh, if you're going to do this sort of thing. And uh, by the way, if you're watching now on online or have friends who do, please have them come over to the Scott Fox channel on YouTube. Uh, this is a presentation of the Startup Council, which is a community service group that I started trying to help entrepreneurs all over the world increase their access to innovation and investment capital. And we do this once a month. This is the fourth Tuesday of the month, and we're here on LinkedIn, Facebook, Blog Talk Radio, and I'm missing one, YouTube, <laughs> that uh, live uh, once a month to try to help everybody out. And if that's useful to you, uh, please tell your friends, and you can also sign up here for our email list uh, and get free tickets to our Masterminds workshops as well. Okay, so back to um, Chitan. Um, Chetan, sorry, let me go back to the chat room. Okay, so networking. Chetan says, hey, guys, it also would be fun to hear where you're from. When you type in your question, uh, could you add where you're from? That's just, it's entertaining for me to, to, feel, uh, to figure out where we're reaching uh, with these broadcasts. Um, so Chetan says, um, what are the best ways to network and find uh, angel investors? Um, okay, so that's a big one. Um, let's see here. Sorry, I got to write that down. Okay. What are the best ways to network and find angel investors? Well, it depends a lot on your industry and where you live. But the bottom line is you're asking the right question. Networking with angel investors is the only way you're going to succeed to raise money from angel investors. Everybody likes to think that you can just send out cold emails and that somebody's going to answer your email and then write you a check. 
I guess it happens, but like I said, it's like the unicorn uh, lightning strike example. It doesn't really happen, right? It, 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 the exception proves the rule, and you hear about it because it happens so rarely that it's amazing. What you have to do is get out into your community and network and meet people and build relationships because, like I said, investors invest in lines, not dots. One dot is the email that comes into their inbox, that they don't know you, you haven't been referred. Okay, that's just going right in the trash. I'll get way too many of those. You have to put yourself in the investor's position. You think about how many emails a guy like me gets, right? Asking people I've never heard of, you know, inviting me and begging to look at their decks and do things. And I'm happy to do it. I just don't have time. I frankly, I can't. I can't do it all. So you have to work backwards. Think about who that investor is. Do they invest in your sector, right? Are they a software investor? Or do they invest in pizza shop, pizza parlors? Or do they invest in um, construction? You know, there's all kinds of different types of investors. Do they invest at your stage? Like, do they early stage or later stages? Do they, um, are they in your town? Or do they invest via Zoom calls and virtual Google Meets, right, in Microsoft Teams? Like, the world has changed in the last year or two. You can actually do a lot more online than you used to be able to do. Maybe you can do things remotely, you know. Uh, you're in Bangalore and they're in New York City. Maybe they're still interested, you know, assuming the time zones work out and you can actually talk to each other. All those things mean that you can filter down to find people who are good prospects, and that's where you start. You don't just spray and pray and send out your ideas to everybody. You've got to work backwards. So here's, here's my recommendation for all of you to find the right investors. Figure out what kind of company you are running. Okay, that's obvious, right? So you know what sector you're in. Next, find the companies that have had success in that area, right? If you're a construction company, this, or more my expertise, if you're a software company, you're a social media platform, or you're a business productivity app, or you're a dating site, something like that, right? All those different sectors. Find successful companies in that area. Find who invested in them. Figure out if you can network into finding and meeting those investors. Because if they've done well by investing in that company already, they might be interested in investing in you as well. A good place to do that, of course, is LinkedIn. Um, you're welcome to um, connect with me if I can help you make introductions. Uh, if there's somebody in my network, uh, we can do that. Um, there's my LinkedIn profile. Uh, please don't just click hello um, to connect. Please put a little note in so I have some idea who you are because I, I delete most of them because, again, I get so many, right? But make a relationship. Take the effort to personalize something, and you'll get much better response. Um, and then the other piece is to uh, really look locally or through your personal connections, of course. In the town that you're in, you know, who is there that knows your industry? Make friends. Don't just ask for money. Build relationships. You want to go friend raising before you go fundraising. A friend of mine often says that, and I think it's good advice. Um, so the, the short answer is it's not quick and easy. You've got to get out and build the relationships. Ask for advice, and you might get money. If you just start asking for money, you probably just get deleted, and at most you'll get advice. <laughs> okay, I hope that's helpful. Uh, and then uh, let's see here. Okay, some more stuff in the chat. Uh, if that's useful, thank. Uh, let me know. Uh, like and follow and all that social media stuff. Please uh, share this out on your uh, Internet connections with your social media. If you're on Instagram, I'm terrible at Instagram. <laughs> if you want to share about this on Instagram, that would be really appreciated. Uh, or, of course, on LinkedIn um, and um, YouTube and so forth. 
Okay, so let's go back to our chat room and work our way down to the next question. Um, let's see. Okay, Adam. Okay, so Adam, this is a different Adam. Adam has, and by the way, if you want to come on camera, please join me. So this is not just me doing the talking head. Let me put that link up there again. There it is. It's a bit.ly link. If you click on that, you'll uh, come into the waiting room, and I'd be happy to chat with you face-to-face. It's fun. Don't worry. I don't bite. And we've got a worldwide audience here to help you in the chat room as well. By the way, folks, if you hear somebody, if I'm talking about a question and you have advice, please share your answers in the chat room too. I don't have all the answers. Um, I'd love to hear your opinions, and um, you can help each other. That's perfectly legitimate and, frankly, the best way to, um, you know, to build uh, a network and to help each other. Um, and helping me answer the questions is much appreciated. Okay, so we were going next to Adam's question, which was, what's the best way to break the ice with a venture capital firm? I don't have any warm introductions available, as I haven't needed to raise for a few years. How do I get them to respond? Well, Adam, okay, so it sounds like you've done this before, which is awesome, and I think you know the answer. You start over. You need the warm introductions. Um, I don't like that. I don't think it's the right way to do business, um, but those of us who invest, we don't have any better way to screen people than to take referrals. There's just too many people out there with too many ideas, most of whom don't do their research, right? So they're pitching me, you know, whatever, late-stage clean tech uh, deals or, or real estate deals or things I don't even do, you know, and I, I can't handle it, right? So um, you need a warm introduction, unfortunately, because that's the filter, Right. If someone if you can find someone that knows someone that knows the person you want to meet and you have a warm introduction, that means that they have invested a little bit of their personal capital in helping. And they say, you know, Adam, oh, you have that kind of deal. Okay, you're an artificial intelligence startup and you're based in New Jersey. Okay. Oh, and you want to meet, uh, you know, Jennifer and she works in Manhattan. That's near New Jersey and she does artificial intelligence. startup. Okay, that sounds about right. I know Jennifer. I will pass your. Um, introduction along to her. That is how things work, right? So if that's useful, then um, to both parties, that's when people will help you. Um, cold introductions of just like, hey, I see you know so-and-so, will you introduce me? No. Why would they, right? You've got to build the relationship a little bit first. Um, and I th- I'm sorry, but that's the truth. Right? I'm here to tell the truth, and if anybody disagrees and have a better answer, please put it in the chat room. Um, you get them to respond uh, by going to where they are, right? Um, figure out if uh, you know, that VC that you've targeted is active in some Facebook group or on LinkedIn, or they're attending some events, either virtually or in person. You don't want to stalk people, but you know, an honest, uh, friendly smile and a face-to-face or a Zoom call is a much better way to create your own warm introduction. When I started out, I had no warm introductions. I worked my butt off uh, to network, network, and network, and that's that's how you get there. But there are on the positive side, there are people that are looking to help, um, but you'll do yourself a real favor if you start from working with um, firms that are already interested in that space uh, that are more likely to be open to you. And of course, you can start with the smaller firms that are less established that maybe don't get so many incoming emails or phone calls as well. Um, Then there's the old school way. You could actually like write them a letter (laughs) or send them flowers right, or something physical that arrives in the mail, like that would be shocking, right, or fax them. I know it sounds stupid, but this is sales, right? How do you get a prospect's attention when you're a salesperson? you got to do something the other guys aren't doing. 
So maybe some of that would be helpful. Okay, so I um, hope that's helpful. Uh, let's see. Let's keep going here. Oh, well, we're halfway through already. Okay, well, let me remind everybody, you're watching Mastermind Startup Fundraising Office Hours, and I'm Scott Fox. I'm your host. I run the Startup Council as well as the Masterminds Workshops. We run a monthly workshop, uh, as seen here, which is a monthly workshop. The next one is on July 8th. I think that's a Thursday night, and we do it via Zoom, so you're invited from all over the world. It's a two-hour session with a whole bunch of people, just like the ones you're meeting in the chat room now, a bunch of networking and fun. We often have guest speakers, and uh, we help each other answer questions. And it's, uh, if you think this is fun, it's a lot more fun when we can all speak to each other uh, face-to-face uh, virtually anyway. Okay, so um, thanks for joining me, and like I said, please like and share along the way here. All right, back in the chat room. Okay, Otitan, I see that you uh, joined us here, and there's uh, Adam's back for more maybe as well. But Titan, if you want to, I saw you briefly, if you want to come back in, we can talk a little more. Turn your camera on, and in the meantime, we're going to work our way down the chat room here. Um, let's see. Titan, I think you're going to come in and talk about the expenses. Oh, there he is. Okay, you want to do that? All right, let's do that. Nice to meet you. There is Chetan. Let's hear. Can you use test your mic there? No, I'm not hearing. I hear a little mumble, but can't quite. Yeah. Keep talking. No. I'm sorry. I can't hear you. I can see your mouth moving. I hear a little mumble, but can you hold the microphone up to your mouth or something? Okay. Well, that, I heard you there at the end there. Whatever you did, brought it up to your mouth maybe? Or? Yeah, that's all I did. Are you able to hear me now? Yeah, that's better. That's better. Okay. Yeah, you'll not be able to see me if I do this. Is that all right? Yeah, I, I can see half your, I can see your ear. <laughs> it's a good look at ear. Go ahead, go ahead. You're here. Let's let's, let's try. So my my I I have just basically a very raw idea right now, and I'm thinking if if, if I should just start developing it and release it to the market and then try and raise funds, or should I try just put my idea out there in front of some investors and try to build some partnerships and then put something out into the market? Right, right. Okay. So let me repeat the question. So he's got an early stage idea. He's trying to figure out whether to build. Uh, a prototype, I guess, uh, to put in front of investors now or whether to put it out in the market. And what kind of idea is it, just roughly speaking? Social media platform. Social media platform. Okay, great. Okay, so it's a good question. Um, all right, so I can let's see more than your ear now. I'll talk. Let me, let's see you again. Can you push it back on your face? There he is. There he is. Okay, cool. All right, nice to meet you. Um, okay, so I think the answer is neither of those. The answer is... Uh, well, you kind of said this, but what investors almost never invest in just ideas anymore. There's just too many of them. Uh, and software is so inexpensive to start, at least to do a prototype, that you need to at least get something built and show it to customers. What investors want to see is that customers care, right? Not that they care. So if you can demonstrate that whatever you can do to get in front of five or 50 or 500 people and then you can create some numbers and say, uh, just as an example, I showed it to 100 people and 78% of them said they would buy it. That's interesting, right? If 
the traditional approach is to show it to 100 investors and hope that one of them writes you a check. That won't work anymore. I would show it to 100 customers and show their engagement and interest. I think that would be a better way to go. Is that useful? Awesome. Okay. Well, I'm going to move on because we can't both hear you and see you. <laughs> nice to meet you. Hope we'll see you again. And then we'll let's keep in touch in the chat room if you want to follow up on that, okay? All right. Nice to meet you. Okay. So let's. Uh, so the point there, guys, is that customers are what matter these days. Ideas, unfortunately, are uh, very common, right? Um, and investors are not interested as much in the idea as they are in the business. And you don't have a business until you have customers. So I would really look at customers and think about how you attract customers and build a growth strategy. And the growth strategy is what will bring in the money, which is what the investors want to see. And the validation from a first few customers, especially if they're paying customers, is, is really what's most attractive. And I think actually Chris, uh, Chris from uh, Toronto, uh, Chris asked, uh, you say you're an angel investor. Can you honestly say what certain aspects of startups trigger your emotions? What part of the pitch excites you the most? Well, that's it. Chatan set that up for us, Chris. Uh, it's customer validation. Ideas are awesome. Like, I'm an idea guy. I personally get excited. You asked about emotions. My emotions, I get excited about the ideas, especially ideas that solve problems, that are interesting problems, especially if they help people. Um, they make things more efficient and make money. Like, I get excited about those ideas. Uh, but I'm an idea guy. I mean, that's why I wrote all these books, right? I don't know if you guys know. These books, I wrote these books, and they're for you. <laughs> these are in English. There's three of them in English, and the other ones, that's Russian and uh, Turkish and Japanese and Polish and Vietnamese. Um, they're in many languages around the world. So if that's helpful to you, go to Amazon.com or whatever and uh, search on Scott Fox, and you can read these books. They're, they're these same ideas trying to help people um, learn how to think uh, like a venture capital investor, essentially build businesses that can grow and, and uh, make a difference. So what excites me is the idea, but the excitement, Chris, isn't enough to get people to invest. To invest, it has to have business traction. And traction is the word that uh, investors use. It's really shorthand for um, ideally revenue, but at least customer interest. And any business these days that doesn't have I, at least some revenue or at least at least proof that customers care isn't really going to go anywhere unless it's your your aunt with a bunch of money or your cousin who you know has some uh, a chain of dry cleaning shops and doesn't know what to do with his cash flow right uh, or you just sold your house and you have some money to invest yourself if you really want to build a business that attracts investors I would start with customer validation because there are far too many people, and I accuse myself of this, I've, suffered, I've done this many times to my own uh, suffering, is get charmed by the idea and the product and not spend enough time talking to people who will give you feedback that you may not want, which is, you know, I don't think this is worth money, I wouldn't pay for it, or you need to change this, or, or whatever it is, right? That customer validation is the whole game these days. So I hope that's helpful. Um, let's see. It looks like Chris had a follow-up there. Let me just see what that was. Uh, we're getting a bunch of messages here. Uh, what about using competition to prove traction? Oh, good question, Chris. Okay. Yes, competition can prove traction. Well, not prove. It can correlate or demonstrate, right, um, that you have traction. Uh, it will show that um, you, that other people have done this and it's working for them. 
that's good, but it's not as good as you doing it and showing that you can do it and that you can make money doing it, right? So I think that's a, it's a great point. It's especially valuable at the early stages to show that this, um, this approach that you have has legs, right? It's something that can get up and walk on its own you know, it, it, in, uh, and that other people have succeeded. Um, of course, it doesn't show that you have done it, right? So it's not the same thing. And it also introduces the idea, which you have to address, which is competition, right? If there's 14 other examples of this, th- is there really room for you, right? That's, so it's a two-edged sword, um, and you need to be careful. You don't want to uh, scare people off because there's too much competition. But at the same time, if there's so much competition, maybe you need to rethink what you're doing. Um, so anyway, you see the pros and cons of that, I hope. Um, competition is a proxy, uh, a fancy word for a substitute, but it's not the same as, as yourself, having done it and demonstrated revenue on your own. Okay, so let's keep going here. Um, Chetan, Adam, uh, Cheyenne. Okay, hey, Cheyenne, nice to meet you. Where are you from, Cheyenne? I don't think you said, oh, you're in Long Beach. Okay, you're nearby, all right. Um, beautiful day here in Southern California. Um, okay, so doesn't want to talk about marketing. She wants to recommend easy finance options for my founders to build an app. I'm not quite sure I understand that, what that means, Cheyenne. Maybe you, or Cheyenne, sorry, I'm saying that wrong. Cheyenne, maybe ex- explain that a little more. The question we've got from you on screen, Cheyenne, is what's the best way to compensate fish investors like your uncle? Same deal as 10%, mm-hmm. et cetera. Yes. Um, okay, so how do you compensate people who are um, – I don't know if you mean fish, unless you're running a fish store. Maybe you meant first. (laughs) Well, let's assume you mean early investors, like your uncle. Right. So how do you compensate them? Um, Yes, you give them a piece, generally. Uh, There's two paths, like we talked about early with um, somebody else's question about bank loans, right? Uh, Who was that? That was uh, Rashab's question. So there's two ways to raise money. You can give them a piece of the ownership of the business, or you can give them a piece of the cash flow. If you give them a piece of the cash flow, that's um, roughly speaking, that's like a loan, right? They give you whatever, $100,000, and you agree to pay it back $10,000 a year over 10 years plus some interest, just to keep it simple, right? So you're giving them a piece of the cash flow, and at the end when you've paid it off, they've gotten their money back plus whatever interest or whatever, but you still own the whole business, right? So if that business then sells for a billion dollars, then you keep the whole billion dollars. They just got their money back plus interest. That's a loan, right? What angel investors and venture capital investors, perhaps like your uncle, um, usually do is they take a piece of the business, and they don't expect to be paid back out of cash flow. They expect to own a piece of the business so that when the business later sells, they get their money back plus hopefully 10 times or 50 times their money, right? So, yes, 10% is a typical, just a round number, right, uh, a round number for uh, ownership. And like I talked about earlier, and if you missed that earlier part of this discussion, anybody that's coming in late, you might rewind. We talked extensively earlier in this show about how to value an early-stage startup. But say you're, um, you want to raise, they're going to give you $100,000, so you're going to call the business as worth maybe a million dollars. So $100,000 off a million, pre-money, something like 10%. I won't get into pre-money and post-money valuations, but that's roughly the idea, right? They've given you 100 grand. You think it's worth a million. You prove that to them enough that they agree. They own 10%. Yes, but they don't get anything back until the business sells. And hopefully, it doesn't sell for a million. It sells for 10 million, right? So they get 10 times. They get a million dollars back. 
and you get nine million. Cool, <laughs> right? So that's more of an equity ownership approach, and that's what most early stage uh, venture style investors do. And of course, there's in betweens also. There's things called convertible notes, which is a loan that pays interest but also converts into some ownership along the way, depending on what happens, et cetera, et cetera. It can all get legal very quickly. Um, but that's the right idea. You're thinking on the right direction. And I should mention, by the way, if any of you uh, need uh, lawyers to handle this stuff, I know a lot of lawyers. They're sponsors of uh, the Startup Council and of our Masterminds Workshop. I'd be happy to refer you to lawyers who specialize in this stuff. I would be very careful. Do not go and use your uncle, the divorce lawyer, or your aunt, the personal injury lawyer, or family law lawyer, or whatever lawyer. Um, this is a specialized area. Uh, if you're going to raise money in a loan, like for a typical business like Adam's Flower Shop, maybe the divorce lawyer could get you through that. But if you're going to try to raise money uh, from venture investors, the deals are much more complex. They're changing all the time, uh, and you really need professional counsel. And yes, they're expensive, um, but if you're going to do it right to build a growth company, you need to lay the foundation properly. And if you need uh, referrals to attorneys, I'd be happy to try to help you with that. Uh, you can contact me. Um, uh, go to scottfox.com. There's a page there, Work With Scott, and there's a contact page there as well. Okay, so that was our new friend Shia from, uh, I'm messing up your name, Chayana <laughs> from Long Beach. Um, let's see. And then, uh, uh, okay. And what time is it? Okay, we got about 10 more minutes here, and it looks like, oh, Chris is back with more questions. <laughs> okay, Chris, let's see here. What about using competition? We did that one. Let's see. Like, yes. Okay. What? Uh, sorry, I'm reading. He says, what about he or she? I'm not sure, Chris. Next time, you, I'm happy to have you back, Chris. Next time, you got to come on camera, then we can have a real conversation. In fact, if you are, are you around, it would be easier to talk to you and get your feedback rather than trying to respond to these little texts. Uh, if you could turn on a camera, that would be super. Um, let's see. Uh, uh, Sorry, guys, I know it's not very interesting to listen to when I'm reading, but what do you do if you have a similar product that requires a chunk of marketing to prove validation other than polling consumers? And let's assume that there's a unique value in the product that allows us to enter the market and not worry about competition. Yeah, well, Chris, I think that's right, polling consumers. Uh, why wouldn't you do that? Yes. Uh, and he says uh, he's male. <laughs> and he's, sorry, he's at work. He can't <laughs> turn on his camera. Fair enough. Okay, thanks for the update. Okay, so um, yes. I think polling consumers is exactly what you do, right? I mean, what else would you do? You need to make a story that shows an investor. There's two things, right? There's two ways to think about a venture investment. One is all the upside. And, in, and entrepreneurs like myself, we love to focus on the idea. You know, this could be huge. It'll change the world. It'll be worth a billion dollars. And, you know, hopefully make people's lives better and help people and make things more efficient and all this cool stuff, right? But the other side, you know, Venture investors agree with you. They like the ideas. That's not the problem. I mean, of course, you have to have that, but they're really interested in the other half, which is de-risking the investment. How do they know that you're the guy or gal or team to do this? How do they know the competition is not going to crush you? How do they know that the regulatory environment isn't going to change and suddenly make it illegal to do whatever you're doing? Uh, and Uber is a good example, as you mentioned in the chat. A lot of they ran a lot of legal issues, right, and regulatory issues and stuff. And, you know, fights with the taxi unions and stuff like that. Um, and what they really want to know is, does anybody give a shit? And that's the piece that customer polling solves a lot of that, right? 
Because if you go out and talk to customers, and it was the example I gave somebody earlier, you know, if you talk to 100 customers and 78 of them say they want to buy it, that's, that tells you a lot more than all the theory in the world, right? And in fact, it doesn't even have to be 100. How about 10, right? And if eight of those are interested, awesome. Or even if two of them are interested, but they're really, really interested, that might be enough. Because if they're really interested, and maybe, I mean, I'm making this up, right, but maybe they're a really big customer, right? It's like Boeing or, or Uber or McDonald's or, you know, some big company or the U.S. Army, right? Like, if you can get a couple customers like that, you're done, right? Maybe it is a billion-dollar company, right? If you get the U.S. Defense Department to start buying, holy crap, right? I mean, that's a big company, right? So polling the customers is absolutely the way to go. Um, and there are steps. Let me outline that for a second. If you want to demonstrate customer interest, uh, the easy way to start is you buy some ads on Google or Facebook or whatever social media you want to do, and you suggest what you're selling out there and just see how people react, right? And you tweak your offer and see what they react to. And maybe that goes to a web page or an app that explains a little more, and it's essentially just a survey, right? But you're getting reactions, and you refine your approach, and you say, well, we shouldn't call it the, the blue bicycle. We got much better reactions to the red bicycle, okay? Oh, and then we tried again, and it's not bicycles. People are really into surfboards. And so it's red surfboards, right, or whatever, right? And you iterate on this. That kind of feedback is what you do, and you can do that for like 50 bucks, right? You can spend a little money, a small amount of money, on Google or um, – Facebook ads or Instagram or wherever you're going to put some ads and test this stuff, LinkedIn, right, depending on your target market, and get reaction and refine it, right, 50 or $100 at a time. So if you have a budget of maybe $500, you can actually get a fair amount of feedback. Once you have an offer, here comes the next step. Once you have an offer that might be polling well, then you spend a little more money and try to see, you know, upgrade your questions and see if you can get some commitments. And what you're looking for is that people will say, um, they're marginally interested or they're really, really interested. Um, there's a thing called a net promoter score. You can look that up online, net promoter score, which is basically a measure of would you recommend this to a friend kind of idea, right? And if your net promoter score is anything less than like 70 or something like that, 70%, then you need to refine your offer because you need enough people telling their friends that it goes off on its own. That's what investors really like to see is when the net promoter score is really high. Like, look at this. You know, 93% of the people liked it so much that they not only would tell their friends, but they did tell their friends. Wow. They call that a viral coefficient. Like, the people are all telling their friends. This thing's going like crazy, right? And ideally, those people, of course, are customers. Uh, it depends on your business model. If you're a social media site, you're not really selling stuff. You might just be selling ads, right, in which case you need a lot of people to make the ads make a lot of money. Or if it's more of a business service, you might be selling uh, specific products or services, and you want to get um, – even if you don't have it ready to sell, you get letters of, uh, letters of intent, LOI they call it, or uh, POC, proof of concept. You can run a test with that one big customer, uh, and again, you demonstrate that customers care. And that's really interesting to investors. Okay, blah, 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 talking a lot here. Okay, so uh, let's got a few more here. Uh, just a reminder, I'm Scott Fox. You listen to Startup Office Hours. Uh, this is brought to you as a free service uh, by me because I'm trying to help you all uh, find innovation, uh, get involved in the innovation economy. There's a lot of money out there looking for more diverse entrepreneurs. The Internet has connected us all. 
even more due to the pandemic. And uh, I'd like to help you. Uh, I think that there's a lot of creativity out there, perhaps uh, between your ears. And I'd like to help you liberate that and um, improve the world. Okay. So let's see. Uh, Chris says, I really appreciate you taking the time to answer my multiple questions. We'll definitely try to join on video next time. You're awesome. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> nice to meet you, Chris. Yes, love to meet you next time. These are, like I said, the fourth Tuesday of each month. So that's July, I don't know, 27th or something. But in the meantime, the next workshop is July 8th. And that's me plus all these people in the chat room together on Zoom. And those are a lot of fun. All right. Looks like uh, uh, Catherine from Austin, Texas has joined us. Hello, Catherine. She says, um, let me just read these. Do I need to network from each sector to get the investors we need? Yes. Um, I'm trying to build a new type of dementia village that will take millions to build and collaborate with many different sectors. Okay. So, Catherine, nice to meet you. Um, happy to help. Let me slow you down. Um, and I, somebody's got to tell you this now. I don't know that much about you. I don't know much about your idea. But what you're talking about is a very complex idea which is going to be impossible to raise money for um, because it's so complex. I am not saying it's not wonderful. I don't even know the idea, but I've had family members with dementia. I totally get the need. I totally agree that it needs to be solved, but investors are not going to be able to invest most likely. And I'd love to have you prove me wrong, right? Okay. I'm not trying to, I'm just trying to help you here you need to boil it down to a, a single idea that, like we just talked about, can be validated with customers that makes money. You're coming at it from the typical entrepreneur point of view with the product and the service that you want to do, which is totally valid. I'm the same way, but I've gotten myself into trouble over the years. My first company, I pretty much bankrupted myself, lost all the investors' money because I was so focused on the problem I was solving rather than the business. So if you want to raise money, Catherine, and everybody who's listening, you need to focus on the business. How does this thing make money? Otherwise, investors, they literally can't help you, right? You, even if you, you need to find investors that sympathize with the issue, and there may be special investors who focus in uh, you know, long-term health care, dementia, mental health, all those sorts of things. There's lots of those out there. But unless you have a business, they can't even react, right? Because the idea sounds great, sure. And of course, I'm not being fair because all I have is this little description of what you're doing, and I'm sure it's fantastic and much more developed, right? But the way you present to investors is to say, I have this business opportunity, which is going to make money like this. By the way, it's solving this enormous problem with dementia. We're going to build a village that pulls in you know, specialists in neuropsychiatry and the local hospitals and the latest drug research or whatever it is you've got in mind. And I'm sure it's fabulous. But each of those specialties I just mentioned is a multi-billion dollar industry by itself, right? So the complexity of what you're talking about is ginormous. And um, I think you'd be better served. And again, I just met you. I hope this is helpful um, to boil it down. What's the simplest thing you can do that will make money sooner so that you can start with your baby project and say, um, this is my initial idea, and it will make money like this. And we'll use the money from that to solve, begin solving this problem. And as we go, we'll then do this amazing thing with the Dementia Village with all these partners, and et cetera, et cetera. The complexity comes later, right? You can't build the whole thing from scratch unless you have a business first is what I'm trying to say. 
So I hope that isn't, I'm not trying to discourage you. I'm trying to encourage you to channel your efforts toward the business pitch rather than the product or service pitch. As much and as important as the pitch is on the service side, I get it and agree, the business is what the investors need to see. They're fiduciaries, which means they're managing money for other people, and they're only allowed to put that money in places where it will make more money. So that has to be their first concern. Legally speaking, that's their job. So um, anyway, I hope that's helpful, and I'm trying to help you not, uh, not rain on your parade. I'm sure it's a wonderful idea, and there's more to it than I just had time to give it credit for. So I think we're out of time. Whew, I'm tired. I need a drink of water and some lunch. But I hope that you've enjoyed being with me. I thank you for being here. Hey, if you have a chance and you can click like or subscribe um, or share with your friends or if you see us out there, uh, if you see the Startup Council or our Masterminds Workshops out there on Facebook or YouTube or LinkedIn, very active on LinkedIn, please come follow me uh, or uh, not follow me but uh, join me or connect. Let me put that up there. There's my LinkedIn if you want to connect. Um, and by the way, I, don't, I have real trouble responding to LinkedIn messages. It would be better to email me visit uh, scottfox.com. There's a work with Scott page um, and be happy to have uh, connect with you and help you. And um, if you'd like to join us for the next masterminds workshop, it's July 8th. I'm pretty sure, <laughs> but you should probably check on the website mastermindsworkshops.com. It's free if you uh, submit a question. So easy, just trying to help. And please do tell your friends, especially if they're females or minorities or anyone else who's uh, outside the box just trying to break into the innovation economy. I'm here to help. So is the Startup Council and our sponsors. And we'd be happy to have you back next time. And uh, please tell your friends. Okay, out of time. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. See you next month. Uh, yeah, next month online. <laughs> Bye-bye now. <laughs>